says, on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. What a great statement of faith. Do you love to worship the Lord? I mean, he has created us for this. He has created us for this. That's why you exist. That's why I exist. Good morning to you, and thank you for being here. Just want to remind you, uh, Baby Bottles Boomerang. If you have grabbed a bottle and you're filling up with change, we want to remind you to bring it back. Uh, we've got about 250, 300 of them, and so we've got about 200 bottles still out. So if that's you, if you could uh, finish up and bring it back, and we'll get it back to the, uh, the pregnancy center. And, uh, and uh, I guess that's it. This morning we're going through 2 Corinthians, and if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to be looking at several verses this morning as we walk through this book together and as we've continued to walk through this book together. But before we do that, let me just ask you, how many of you in this room, and, and raise your hands, but how many of you have ever been criticized ever in your life? Would you raise your hands, please? Oh, great. That's like all of us. So this is really relevant. Uh, some of you raised two hands, so I don't know what that means. Uh, maybe you've been severely criticized in your life. But, but the one thing is true is this, is that we've all had to deal with criticism. I mean, whether it's from family, whether it's from friends, whether it's from a profession or whatever, we, we have to deal with criticism. And it's just kind of, unfortunately, it's kind of part of life. Here a while back, in fact, this is a while back, and, and uh, I got one of those emails on Sunday afternoon, and it was someone that was dissecting my message and me. And so it was one of those emails that none of us really like to get, uh, but, but it was an email, and they went through and did sound bites and, and I mean, they worked hard at it, and then they went through uh, line by line almost what was wrong with me and what was wrong with my sermon, and then, and then it got really personal. Uh, and it, like, that wasn't personal enough, but then it got really personal, and they said some unfortunate words, and, and, uh, and you know the bad thing about it was? I thought it was one of my better messages. I mean, you know, I don't think all of my messages are my better messages, but on this particular Sunday, I walked away thinking, you know what, that was probably one of my better messages. And so, so here, here, here's what I'm learning about criticism. Criticism uh, is not all bad, as long as you don't harden your heart to it. Criticism is not all bad, it's to where you come to the point to where you harden your heart and you no longer love people. And so, but, but at the same time, that I, I realized that it helped me focus that I preach for an audience of one. And if I say everything that God has told me to say, as I had done this Sunday, that Sunday, then all the criticism in the world really won't affect you that much. But if I don't say what God has asked me to say or told me to say, and I'm trying to please man, then all the compliments in the world won't help. Now, with that being said, I was really ticked off. <laughs> You know, fact is, this last week, the pastors went back to te Texas, and we went to a How to Be a Better Pastor conference type deal, and so we went back there, and I, I, I now I heard my, my new favorite line in a country and western song, and it's this, that if I had killed you when I wanted to, I'd be out by now. <laughs> Why is it when criticism comes, when we're hurt, we try to excess the damage, we kind of excess the consequences, how bad. You know, there's something about, because I'm just telling you, I'm being real, I was really ticked off. Fact is, I wanted to pre preach a message that next, next week for that one. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, you, you know how it is, when you're hurt, you want to hurt back. When you're criticized, you want to criticize back. When, when someone devastates you, you want to devastate them. And so, and, and that's just the way it is. And so, this morning, I want to talk to you about this issue of criticism and how to... 
how to address it and how to, how to deal with it in life. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we're going to walk through this issue because, because of criticism because we live in a critical society. fact is, Paul lived in a critical society. We lived in a very critical society when people are paid large sums of money to criticize others, right? I mean, look at talk radio. People are paid a lot of money to criticize politicians, to criticize politics, to criticize uh, 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 sports stars, uh, athletes, movie stars, movies, plays, restaurants, churches, professions, careers, people. I mean, when you look at it, you find that we live in a very critical society. Fact is, we've come to the point that we think that criticism is kind of a mark of sophistication. To where that if I can criticize and if I can find out what's wrong with you or your organization, then, then, I, then I'm smart or I have, you know, it's, it's, I think there's a lot of Americans that if they had been there the day when Jesus fed 5,000, you know, they would have been upset like, where's the lemon for the fish? <laughs> you know, there's not any butter for my rolls. It, 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 here's the dangerous thing about criticism. When we criticize, we miss what God is doing. We criticize that day when Jesus fed 5,000, we'll miss the whole miracle. We'll miss what is going on because our focus is much different than that. And so Paul is responding to some criticism in 2 Corinthians. And we're just going to come out with four principles this morning about this issue of criticism. And this is so, I mean, this applies so much to our life and what we deal with on a daily basis. The first thing about criticism is this. When criticism comes, don't be shocked. Now notice I didn't say if. Possibly, when? When criticism comes, do not be surprised and do not be shocked. I mean, criticism is a part of life. I mean, the Apostle Paul was the greatest man in, in Christian history, greatest man of history. He ends up writing the majority of the New Testament. Begins starting church after church after church after great personal sacrifice from him. He did huge things for God. And they're criticizing him. They're criticizing him for his questionable past. I mean, Paul, remember, if you don't know his testimony before he met Christ, it wasn't, the, it wasn't a testimony that you would want to have if you're going to be an apostle or if you're going to have it be a, pre, a preacher. The fact is, Paul was the one that was, was killing Christians. Remember, he'd go into the churches and he'd find out the names and the dresses of those that believed and he would hunt them down in their house and drag them out into the streets and he was trying to do everything he could to stop Christianity. He had a questionable past. They were accusing him of strong authority. I mean, Paul led with, strong, with, with strength that he had great authority. And they were accusing him that he had too much, he was too strong in his authority. They, they criticized him because he said, you're really not an apostle because he became an apostle, not like the other possibles, apostles, but kind of in, in questionable circumstances, if you will, from a vision and from other things, something that he couldn't really prove. And so they said, you know what, you're really not an apostle. They criticized him because they, well, they criticized his motives. Isn't that the most damaging, hurtful type of criticism there is? It's what hurt me so bad about that email. They began to criticize him when he started talking about giving that just want our money. And they criticized him because they said he had an inconsistent personality. Then he sent them letters, it was weighty and strong and bold, but boy, face to face, he's kind of weak and meek. 
And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1, Paul begins to just talk about the elephant that's in the room because someone that deals with criticism in a healthy way will deal with the criticism, will not get personal, will not question motives. Questioning motives is the most destructive thing that a person can do when you get into this issue of criticism. How can you prove it? How can you prove that you're right? How can you prove that you're wrong? It's so subjective. And so Paul is, 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 is willing to say, let's talk about the elephant in the room. So verse 1 and 2, he begins, he begins talking about what they're talking about. Watch this. He says, I, Paul, myself, entreat you, encourage you um, by the meekness and the gentleness of Christ. I, who am humble when face to face with you, but bold towards you when I'm away. He's like, are you serious? Are you actually saying that? I mean, he's actually helping them understand about this issue of, 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 of gossip that's going on and slander and criticism. And it finally got back to him. I don't know how it got back to him. Scripture doesn't tell. But he, he was aware of it. So he said, let's just talk about what you're saying about me. Let's just talk about the criticism that you have for me. Verse 10, he says, for they say, so this is what you're saying. This is the criticism that you're leveling against me. His letters are weighty and strong, but his boldly presence is weak, and his speech is of no account. To some, Paul seemed inconsistent. They said, Paul, you just seem inconsistent to us, inconsistent in your personality. Your letters, they tend to seem weighty and strong, but in person, you kind of seem weak. And See, Paul was not an impressive-looking person. Now we're getting personal, right? Theologians say that Paul was short. Uh, he had eye problems. Some thinks his eyes bulged. Uh, he had a hooked nose. I mean, he wasn't impressive looking at all. And now they're getting down into personalities, and now they're getting very personal. And now they're saying, you know what? You're not even a good public speaker. You see, in, the Corinth in Corinthians' day, they, they loved great orators. They loved great men that could stand up on a platform, and they had charisma, and they were articulate, and they were smooth, and they would talk for hours, and it was a form of almost entertainment for them. And they would talk about for hours about worldly uh, philosophies. And they said, Paul, you're not, even a, you're not even a good speaker. I mean, man, your letters are weighty and strong, and... Face to face, you're not even impressive. I mean, you know, our sermons are on the radio, and, and, and uh, here a while back we had a, a family come and visit our church because they were traveling through town and lived out of town, and they wanted to come to the church, and so they came to the church, and, and uh, they came up to me after the service, and, and the lady looked at me and says, Wow, from hearing you on the radio, I thought you'd look so different. <laughs> I was scared to ask her to clarify that. You know, and through the years, I've had people say, why can't you preach like such and such? Here a while back, I had someone say, why can't you preach like Joel Osteen? I said, I can't smile that long. <laughs> I just can't. I'm nothing against him. That's just not me. I mean, I just can't. I've had, I had one person one time come and hand me a series of CDs from her past church and say, here, I love the way my preacher preached. Could you just take this and just preach this back to us? I'm like, no. I got, listen, I got to be me and you got to be you. And here's what got so personal with Paul. Man, you're not even impressive. See, there's two factors that make criticism so difficult to take. One is this. Criticism is difficult when we are criticized in an area of weakness or an area that we feel shame or guilt. That's when it's leveling. If they had accused Paul of loving God too much, 
they had accused Paul of being too intelligent and knowing the scriptures too much, if they had accused Paul of not sacrificing enough, then Paul could have blown it off and said, you know what, that's ridiculous. But they criticized him in an area that he felt shame. He was embarrassed about his past. He was embarrassed about how he came to Christ. He was embarrassed that he once killed Christians. He was embarrassed that he didn't become an apostle like the other apostles. Remember, Paul would say, I'm not only embarrassed about my past because I'm the chief of all sinners. Nobody has sinned more than me. And I'm also embarrassed about how I became apostle. Remember, he says, I'm an inferior apostle because I didn't become apostle like the rest of the apostles did. Listen, I'm telling you, what makes criticism so difficult and so hard to take is when someone pokes in an area of our life that we already feel shame and guilt. If you haven't healed from that divorce, if you haven't healed from the hurt and the pain of your past, if you carry guilt and shame for parenting, if you feel guilt and shame for an addiction of the past or a lifestyle of the past or anything like that, and someone criticizes you in that area, it will cut you to the core. Criticism is difficult to take when it's already an area of weakness or guilt or shame in your life. And guess what? Satan knows that. They didn't criticize Paul in an area of his strength. They criticized Paul in an area of his weakness. Listen, insecure, immature people, insecure people will question your motives. Immature people, I know why you did that. You don't love me. You don't want me to be a success. You're trying to hurt me. Immature people will not deal with the issues. They will deal with motives because you can't, it, it's paralyzing. Remember, or, or, or I remember when, when, when we had children young in the home. Remember when they were young and you would correct them? And they'd say, you hate me. Remember that? You hate me. You don't want me to have any fun. You don't want me to be happy. Remember those? And we'd tell them, hey, grow up. Suck it up. I mean, it's a sign of immaturity. And it's a sign of immaturity in life when people are telling you, the reason you hurt me, remember, the reason you said that is, you really don't like me. Criticism is difficult to take when it comes from Christians. We expect it from the world. We expect it from non-believers. Criticism is difficult to take because we live in this world that we think that Christian people should treat each other so different. In fact, as Jesus did. Remember Jesus' last prayer? His last prayer was that may we love one another. Father, help them to love one another. Help them to be unity. Do you realize you can be a part of, of an answer to one of Jesus' prayers when you love people? When you love one another, when you don't criticize and you don't critique and you don't, you're not hurtful. And criticism is so difficult to take when it comes from believers. I mean, this was a church that Paul had started. All of the people that in that church, they wouldn't have a church if it hadn't have been for Paul. A lot of them wouldn't even be believers if it hadn't have been for Paul. Paul's the one that led them to the Lord. Paul's the one that was there when they met Christ. But Paul knew the scriptures. Paul knew this about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ lived a perfect life, but he was criticized. They said he... They said that he was demon-possessed. They accused him of blasphemy. 
The most hurtful one is he said that he was probably an illegitimate child. Criticism is difficult. Criticism is hurtful. When it comes from believers. Second principle about criticism is this, is when criticism comes, you have to refuse to retaliate. Don't listen to country music. <laughs> Sometimes it's great theology, but not all the time. Verse 3, look at this. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. Listen, we think we are natural people having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual people having a natural experience. See, we think we're just natural people having this spiritual experience. Listen, we are spiritual people having a natural experience. And Paul is saying, do not get down in the natural world. You're a believer. You're a spiritual person. You're having a spiritual, you're walking through life in a spiritual way. And he goes on and he says this, verse 4, for the weapons of warfare are not the flesh. In other words, not the natural man, not those things. But we have a divine power to destroy Strongholds. In other words, the world fights with violence. The world starts with uh, fights with picketing. The world starts uh, fights with criticism. The world fights with, with with sarcasm and anger and hurt and deception, questioning one another's motives, uh, a trickery. I mean, they aim to destroy people. They aim to destroy character of people, the integrity of people, and immature people. Just like the Corinthians will get as many people to agree with them that they are right and you are wrong. That's what the Corinthians were doing. They were trying to mobilize as many people as they could to prove their point and to show why Paul was wrong. Because see, immature, insecure people that don't know where their security is, their self-worth is at stake. That's what the Corinthians were doing. Listen, retaliation is a means of defending one's right to try to prove your self-worth. That's why criticism is so devastating to us. Listen, if you're insecure, and if you believe your self-worth is in the approval of people, if you believe what people say about you is who you are, then criticism will destroy you. And many people have to retaliate to feel better. Why? Because their identity is at stake. Their self-worth is at stake. I mean, they can't be wrong. Because what you say about them is huge to them because they've never gotten that acceptance. And, and the Corinthians did not like what Paul, and Paul was, Paul was speaking constructive criticism in their lives. You see, mature people will be able to discern out constructive criticism and hurtful criticism or, or painful criticism. Some about criticism, it helps keep you, you and me grounded. It helps us remind us of some things. And the Corinthians were getting as many people as they could to agree with them because their self-worth. And here's what's interesting to me about this passage. In the midst of criticism, Paul is still trying to help them. He still, he still cares for them. Why? Because he knows whose he is. He knows his significance is not found in people. The approval of people is fickled. It changes. It's not even consistent. Listen, here's how I remember this. It's just something easy for me to remember about criticism is when it comes, you have to stay above the fray or you'll become the prey. P-R-E-Y. You have to stay above the fray or you will become the prey. They will prey on you. They will destroy you. They will eat 
you alive. Especially if you're walking with God, because now when you get down on their level, God has to deal with you and them. And that's why Paul says we don't wage war like the world does. It's just totally different. The weapons we fight with, is what he says, are not the weapons of this world. In other words, our weapons are Scripture and memorizing Scripture and understanding Scripture, the power of the Holy Spirit, patience and kindness and long-suffering. And... But if you're, if you're an immature person, you'll think that's weakness. You'll think that's meekness. Listen, meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength under control. It's the picture of a wild stallion that you take that strength of a wild stallion and you bring it under control so it's productive. It takes tremendous self-control not to retaliate, even against the smallest criticism. You may have to write that email and then destroy it. You may have to process it in such a way. The third thing is this, is when criticism comes, you have to know when to respond. Personal opinion, but we're going to prove some of it in Scripture, but whenever I give percentages, I, I just want you to know, this is just my personal opinion. I believe that 90% of the time, criticism should be ignored. See, we think it... it if your self-worth is wrapped up in what everybody else thinks about you, then you will respond to every criticism that comes your way. Why? Because you're fighting for your identity. You're fighting for your self-worth. You're fighting for who you are as a person. And I believe most criticism needs to totally be just ignored. Nehemiah, remember when in Nehemiah, and we've walked through this book together as many years ago, God called Nehemiah back to rebuild the walls. They had been trying to rebuild the walls for hundreds of years and never had done it successfully. God calls Nehemiah. God does some unbelievable things, and, and Nehemiah's there, and he knows he's, he's doing what God has called him to do. And there are a couple of people that, that didn't like what he was doing. He was productive. Listen, if, if you don't want to have any criticism in your life, then do nothing. Do nothing. And he was making a huge difference in that community. He was making a huge difference in that area. And so then they started the criticism stuff, and, they, and then they got ridiculous because, you know what? If criticism goes ignored, it disarms them. And it didn't get ridiculous after a while. Watch this, Nehemiah 4.3. They said this, you know what, Nehemiah? If a fox goes up on, on it, talk about the wall, he will break down their stone wall. That's what they're saying. And so five times they sent five emails to Nehemiah. And they said, come down off of that wall and visit with us. We're concerned about the project. No, they weren't. We're concerned about the project. We just want to talk to you about the project. We want to talk to you about what's going on. Nehemiah 6, 8. Watch this. Just so cool. Then I sent them an email. I love this line. No such things as you say have been done. You are inventing them out of your own mind. See, he was healthy enough to understand that there's no factual evidence here. There's no credibility. I don't even know where you're getting this stuff from. I mean, this doesn't even make sense. How could you even come up with that? You have to be making it up in your mind. 
See, when, when you know whose you are, when you know what God has called you to do, then, then you don't respond to criticism like you once did. Nehemiah understood that, you know what, I'm doing a great work here. I'm doing what God has called me to do. And if I come down off the wall, I quit doing what God has called me to do. Listen, when you respond to critics, it will suck the life out of you. It'll suck all of your emotional energy. You'll turn and toss about that email that you want to respond. How you're going to respond. What are you going to say? What's going to happen? You'll think over and over and over about the confrontation and how you're going to talk to him. Why is it, maybe you're not like me, but why is it whenever you think of those confrontations, you always win? You know, you always play them out. Like at the end, I win. If your identity is wrapped up in what other people say about you and not in Christ and Christ alone, And sometimes it's best to ignore because especially when someone's made it up in their mind and there's no credibility, when you respond to the credit, you give them unwarranted credibility. When you address their concerns, when you know they've made it up in their mind and you know, where could they even get this stuff from? I didn't understand this early in ministry. And I had one of those emails come that was just, they were making it up in their mind, and I believed I could help them. And I sent an email back, and I gave them unwarranted credibility. And it set off a chain of emails to where they're writing literally books back to me. I'm thinking, what are these, do these people not have a life? I mean, it's unbelievable amount of research and just writing and stuff. And I'm like, these, get a life. And it didn't end well. Because I gave them credibility by just responding to it. How about this? How about, how about responding to some of your critics and say, Hey, thank you so much. I will prayerfully consider your concerns. And as the Lord directs, I will make changes in my life. You know what you've just done? You just told him, I follow God. And as he directs, I'll make changes. But occasionally... Criticism needs to be addressed. I mean, occasionally when it threatens the credibility of a leader, when it threatens the credibility of a church, an organization, when it threatens the integrity of a person, then occasionally, you know what, criticism can be so deep that it needs to be addressed. I want you to see how Paul addressed criticism, verse 11. Remember, they were saying about your, your letters are weighty and strong, and in presence you're not very uh, bold. Verse 11, let such a, such a person understand that what we say by letter when absent, we do when present. <laughs> understand this, what I say by letter, I do the same way when I'm present. I don't know where you're getting this from. It's not the way we use it. I mean, usually, man, we got paragraphs and we got scripture and we got stuff. Verse 12, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with, with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. Paul says, you know what your problem is? Your problem is comparisons. You don't understand what it means to trust in God. You want me to be like other speakers that have charisma and that are articulate? Paul said in 1 Corinthians, says, I don't, I don't preach to you with lofty words and, and I'm not articulate. And, but I preach in such a way as a demonstration of the power of God so that your faith will rest on Him and not on me. 
and not on men. You misunderstand about this issue of preaching. You misunderstand about this issue of teaching. And I know you want me to speak and be like all the others that have charisma, but I just, I just got to be me. Listen, finding your approval, and please don't miss this, but finding your approval in other people will never cause you to love God more. It'll do just the opposite. Paul loved God, and as a result, he loved people. Finding your approval in people will never cause you to love God more. It starts with love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Listen, I'm learning this. It is easier to behave like a Christian than it is to react like a Christian. It's easier to behave like a Christian than it is to react like a Christian when you're hurt, when you're criticized, when you're unfairly treated. Listen, you will never be free in God until you can thank Him for who you are, what you are, and where you are. You can never be free in Christ. You can never be free in God until you can thank Him for who you are. God, thank you for the gifts and the abilities. Thank you for how you created me. I'm good with that. Thank you for where I am. Thank you for where you've placed me. Thank you for who you've made me to be. You will never be free in God until you can tell him thank you for that. Because if not, you will try to find your approval and your acceptance in the lives of people. Here's what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 17.5. He says, thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man. In other words, get approval from people. And makes flesh his strength. Trust in self, trust in others. Whose heart turns away from the Lord. You try to find your peace, you try to find your acceptance, you try to compare yourself to yourself, that's dangerous. You try to compare yourself to others, that's dangerous. Your heart will turn away from God. You will not love God more by loving people. You love God, then, then love people. Why is it when we compare, and the danger of comparison is this, why is it when we compare ourselves to others, we compare our weaknesses to their strengths? The things that we wished we had, they had in our life. And when you do that, when you trust in flesh and you trust in man, you'll never be satisfied. Verse 13, it says this, But we will not boast beyond limits, but we boast only with regard to the area of influence God has assigned us to even reach you. The last thing is this, when, when, when criticism comes, you've got to remember the goal. The goal for the Apostle Paul was, was building people up, not tearing them down. The goal for the Apostle Paul was evangelism, leading them to the Lord and developing them in him. Verse 8, for even if I boast a little too much of our authority, which the Lord gave for the building up, so authority in the church is given to build people up, not tear people down. I know that there's churches out there, and I know that people have been torn down by churches, and I understand that. But I'm telling you, that is not the biblical way. The authority in the local church is to build people up, not to hurt them, not to destroy them, and not to tear them down. And Paul's goal was to be, build them up, and guess what? Even his critics, even the people that didn't like him. And so Paul said, basically, this issue of, of comparisons is the problem, that you're, you're comparing yourselves with others, and you're comparing yourself with yourself. And so there's two traps of comparisons, just real quickly. The first trap is this, is, is commending yourself or pride. 
You can always tell a person that is in this trap because they're always bragging about themselves. They're always telling stories about themselves. They're embellishing stories. It makes them a lot funnier, a lot smarter, more athletic, more successful. And they want, to get, they want everybody around them to understand that how, what value they really have. And the trap is that is to where pride comes in and arrogance comes in and you begin to brag about all of your accomplishments to where it nauseates all those that are around. You ever been around someone like that? And it's just they just want you to know how great they are, how funny they are, how smart they are in conversation. They can't go and sit in a conversation and listen to anyone else. They're going to sit there and talk the whole time about themselves, their life, their stuff. Because their approval is found in what someone else thinks about them. The second trap is this, comparing ourselves to others. He says, you measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, and they are without, they're without understanding. They don't even understand where acceptance comes from. And if your goal is to please people, then the day will come when you have to compromise your values, your Christianity, You're going to have to compromise. When you compare yourselves with others, you give them so much power. So much power in your life. Man, if someone criticizes you, listen to it, evaluate it. And if you're doing God's will, move on. Have close people around you. That you know love you and want the best for you. They can speak truth into your life. Paul said this in Galatians 6:10. For I'm now sending, for I'm now seeking, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Whose approval do you want? Still trying to get the approval of a mom or a dad? Still trying to get the approval of authority figure in your life. Still trying to get the approval of a spouse or a friend. He says, whose approval am I trying to get, man or God? Or am I still, or am I trying to please man? Now watch this. If I were still trying, and that word still is circled in my Bible. Because that means Paul started out as a man pleaser. Paul started out trying to get the approval of people around him. He said, if I was still trying to please man, I wouldn't be a servant of God. Question to you, question to me this morning. Whose approval do you need?